A reading from Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The responsory is on page 230. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Paul urges the Philippians today to complete his joy. We've heard over the course of the last several services from the first chapter of Philippians in which Paul's joy is prominent. It's everywhere, and it's a joy that he experiences in the face of even things that would make any normal person Miserable, like being in prison and uncertain of what his next days hold, whether he'll be executed or set free or what. He doesn't know, and yet he rejoices because because he knows that all is for Christ, and Christ will be glorified, and he is in Christ, and so the glory will be his as well. But today he looks to the Philippians and he encourages them, he urges them to complete his joy. So he has joy in Christ, but there's something more. There's something more that could be had, and he finds it in the Philippians when he urges them to do this, to be of the same mind, to have the same love, to be full, to be in full accord and of one mind. And then he goes into some detail, the kinds of things that so easily take people who ought to be one and split them apart. Take people who ought to be together of one mind and drive them from one another. These kinds of things like selfish ambition or conceit, lack of humility, pride, counting yourself better than others. He warns them about these things. He says, if you participate in those kinds of things, if that's how you live your life as Christians, seeking your own good at the expense of others, Not only do you fracture the body of Christ, but you rob me, Paul says, you rob me of my joy. My joy is complete, Paul says, when you live with the mind of Christ, when you live like Christ did. There are these verses in the center of our lesson for tonight, which in some Bibles they're indented. If you look in some Bibles, you can see them set kind of like a poem, and it's Paul's hymn to Christ. A song, essentially, a song about the glory of Christ. Listen to what he says. Christ, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He is our example. Christ is our example for how we live together in unity. 
Christ, Jesus, who, the very Son of God, ought to have had all things belonging to him, ought to have had all authority, all rights, all blessings should have been his, he emptied himself. Not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped, he let it go. He let it go so that he could be one with you and me. He is our example of unity. Not counting himself greater than any others, even though he is greatest of all. And his name is the name at which every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Christ sets it all aside so that he can be one with us. If that's how Christ behaves, so also should we behave in that way. Setting aside our own selfish ambitions, setting aside our conceit, setting aside our pride, looking to the needs of others first of all, instead of looking to our own needs. Being obedient to our Heavenly Father, even as Christ was obedient to the point of death, and Paul drives the point home even further, to the point of death on a cross. Think about what it means for Jesus to suffer and die on a cross, counting you more valuable than his own life, counting you more valuable than a dignified, wholesome death, counting you more valuable than his pride, willing to suffer all shame and loss for you, to be united with you, obedient to his Father for you. If that's how Christ is, how much more should we follow his example? How much more should we live like he lived, who gave his life for us? It's because of his humility, it's because he sets aside his glory, it's because he is willing to do it all for you that God exalts him, that God raised him up, that his heavenly Father raised him to his right hand, giving him all authority in heaven and on earth. It's because Jesus shows us a picture of perfect obedience and a picture of perfect love that God glorifies him. But that love is not just something that Christ possesses, for his own sake, but it's a love that he distributes to all of you. So here's the thing. You can't have the mind of Christ by your own efforts. You can't live like Jesus lived. You can't put others before yourself. You can't give up your pride or your conceit on your own, but Christ has done it for you. In his love, he has given you everything that belongs to him, including his humility, including his love for others, including his righteousness, his obedience, his willingness to suffer and to be ashamed, he gives that all to you. So that as Paul says, in this amazing way, you have the mind of Christ. You have his heart. It's yours. All that's left is for you and me to learn to live as though we have the mind of Christ, to learn to be like Jesus. It's a difficult task and it's a long road, but we have the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. Most of all, we have God's favor. This is what counts above all else. That God has looked on you in Christ Jesus and for all of your frailty and for all of your selfish ambition and for all of your conceit and for all of our disunity, all of the things that drive us apart from one another, God looks at you and he sees his beloved son. And he makes promises to you about caring for you and drawing you closer to him and making you more and more in the image of his son. That's where your hope should be fixed. The God who has begun this good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Remember that from the first chapter of Philippians. He has begun this good work in you, and he will bring it to completion. So this is what we're aiming at as a church, as families, as 
members of a community, we're aiming at unity in Christ. We aim at it, and we can be confident that because it is God's gift to us, we will accomplish it. We aim at it, and we can be confident that nothing will be lacking. And so, and so, in the end, our joy, like Paul's, our joy will be complete. Hold on to that hope, even when things are tough, even when there are divisions, even when there are fractures and trouble. Hold on to that hope that it is not our unity to forge. It's not our peace, our joy to forge, but it's God's joy. It's his love, and it's his gift to us. Put your trust in him. To him alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Please rise, and we'll continue by singing the canticle on page 231.